Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? We are back again. That's right. This is season two with the Class in Session podcast. I am your host, uh, Logan Taylor, and my partner in crime, my brother, Mr. Dante Hampton. And we got a special guest for you all. Dante. Yes, 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 man. We have a special guest coming all the way by the way of London. That's where he's originally from. Um, David Spillman is a behavior specialist um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. His main objectives are sending off infectious positive energy and meeting students where they are at to improve their academic and behavior status. Um, David specializes in creating in innovative ways to incorporate hip hop um, with social and emotional learning. Um, his he do service learning as well as cultural responsiveness to make an impact on his students. Um, he is the author of a book as well called uh, just like music with social and emotional learning inspired by hip hop. Um, David, how, how did you even get into um, education as a whole? How did you even start that about? Man, honestly, I, I didn't know it was gonna be in education. I knew I was gonna be working with people, whether that was the non nonprofit sector or some kind of community work, but just being in college at the mighty Virginia Union University out in Richmond, Virginia, an undergrad, I started tutoring kids. So I just seen the discrepancies with the, like a kid that would be in middle school reading on like a third grade level and just not understanding why is that the reality? So I knew there was a lot to be desired or a lot to be gained in somebody like myself, being an educator, working in the schools to try to you know close those gaps and just help those students out because I, obviously they weren't getting that type of support that they needed. So that experience really geared me towards getting a major in psychology and really wanting to you know, get into the school system because I felt like I could definitely add value and be that supporter, be that voice for those kids who didn't have it. So that's what led me to education. I love it, bro. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome, man. Um, so you talked about, I heard you say getting a, you know, I heard you say majoring in psychology. And of course we know that's dealing with the mind. Like you gotta be like, bro. You gotta have a love for the mind to be able to experience um, college. To go to experience college, to want to be in psychology, right? And so, what I want to ask is, is what made you pick psychology as a major uh, for you to, you know, later on in the future have your SEL curriculum, which is social and emotional learning for those who don't know um, and, and different things like that. Do you mind touching touching on that for us? Yeah, no problem. I honestly believe that it was due to my upbringing. Originally born in the UK, lived in, well, spent some time in Sweden, um, lived in Philadelphia for some time, lived in San Francisco for some time, lived in Guam for some time. So a few countries before the age of 10, we settled in North Carolina. And just having to interact with different people, different cultures, um, people that meet me always talk about I have this worldview, definitely due to my upbringing. So understanding, you know, different people do different things. Like everybody, you know, if you've never left the U.S., you think the whole world is here. You don't have that perspective. But with me having my mind expanded at such an early age and understanding why certain cultures do this or certain words are used that may be a positive thing here, but a negative thing here, that really just got my mind really 
wondering like, dang, what what is going what is going on in this world? Like, why do people think the way they think? Why are certain groups of people the way they are? And of course, unconsciously, when I, when you're younger, you're just asking these questions. But as you get older, you kind of find your your way or your your lane. And going up, psychology was that kind of myth, that answer to how can I understand people's motives that, like you said, that mind piece. Okay, psychology may give me some of the answers. Of course, it's not going to answer everything because it's still from a very Eurocentric framework. But just giving me that baseline to say certain people, or the way the mind works, or the amygdala, or you know, just all of that technical stuff, it kind of drove me to psychology by being just a naturally curious kid. I love that. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. So what is a common myth about your job or field of expertise that, you know, when you first started, you was like, yo, like, like, that's what y'all think goes on in the education space or, or it could be, you know, Hey, I really didn't know this, right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't privy to this. And so I'm not aware of, you know, Hey, you got people now that, you know, are administrators and some people think that administrators are just paper pushers, right? You got some people that are secretaries that work at the front desk and, you know, they, some people think that like, Hey, they don't do anything. Right. Um, you got people that think that teachers are just, you know, um, daycare workers and different things like that. Um, what is a common myth about your job or field of expertise that you've noticed? And it kind of like made you scratch your head and think. So I'm going to say this, like we talked about pre-show Logan, I'm not a classically trained teacher. So people meet me and they say, man, you wrote this curriculum. How long have you been teaching? And I'm like, I am a teacher. You know, I am an educator, but in the sense of I teach social skills. So in my professional career, I've always had roles of like behavior modification, behavior specialist, you know, interventionist, all those kind of things. And this answer is to people in the school and to the public at large. When you hear the title of behavior modification, behavior specialist, they think I only deal with the bad kids, you know, and especially with me being an SEL. SEL is only for those kids. No, SEL is for everybody. Everybody could benefit from learning how to goal set. Everybody can benefit from learning how to control their emotions when they're upset. But then with that, with my day job, behavior is for everybody. If there's, and this is the thing, when we think of negative behavior, we just think about that kid that's acting out. But I'm going to give, you know, the, the listeners something to think about, like to reframe that. If you have a child that doesn't know how to handle their emotions, maybe they do their work and they get one bad grade. They might contemplate committing suicide. That's still behavior. So it's not just the kids that are at, like hourly acting up. I deal with the entire student body because you never know what somebody's going through or you never know where they are. And they're like just personal development. So we always give attention to the kids that are acting out or the kids that excel like academically. But if you ever know about that bell curve, taking it back to psychology, the bell, that middle is where more population of the students are. And those students often go overlooked. So if nobody's making them feel seen or heard, that's, I feel like that we're doing a disservice in education. So the number one misconception is I only deal with the bad students. Hey man, he dropped the bar, Tay. Bro, he, dro he dropped the bar, bro. He said, he most people think that I only deal with the bad kids. But then he brought it back together and said that bell curve where most kids are in that middle part and they're the ones that get left out the most because you have 
the good kids that you're like, oh, they don't need anything because they're making the A's. They're not giving you any behavior issues. They're not giving you um, any problems or anything like that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the bad kids where, quote unquote, right, um, are the class clowns or acting up and different things like that. But nobody talks about the middle Right. Nobody talks about that. And so I thought that that was an interesting perspective uh, in regards to that, Dave. So, man, like, yo, that's that's super dope, my brother. Super, super dope, man. And um, I think that that's that's man. That was good. That was real good. Dante. All right, David. So uh, what would you say your biggest struggle is as far as um, with being a behavior specialist and trying to intervene between the two as far as dealing with um, your low-end kids versus your top-tier kids? I think the biggest the biggest challenge is really the adults on campus. And if you worked in education, you probably often heard, heard it in like a meeting or something or just when in conversation with colleagues. Sometimes it's not the kids. So I serve a rather large school district. Um, it's about 176 schools. So of course, you have the affluent schools, you got your Title I schools and everything in between. And it never fails, even in the affluent schools. If you have educators who are not really for the students, regardless if they are high performing, low performing, they don't have that relational piece. And I got to highlight one of my colleagues because he said this for the past two years. He said, we got to take education from being tra transactional and bring it, bring it back to relational. And I think that's really the key. And we, I mean, we often say it in, you know, mission statements and board meetings and all that, you know, relationships are key, but it's that thing, you know, practice what you preach. If we're saying that, but you don't feel that when you walk into the campus, you know, kids are walking by, teachers are like, oh my God, here he comes, here she comes, or nobody's even acknowledging students when they walk through. Like it starts as soon as they get off the bus. I think if we had more like educators who were skilled in building relationships everything else would fall in line. Academics would improve, behavior incidences would decrease because it's a sense of community. There's a culture that you've built there of relationships. And so for me, being that support from the central office and seeing where there are educators who are deficit in those skills, that makes it a lot more difficult for me because I come from a relationship lens to kind of get them to see the error of their ways to boost up those students both the, the very high performing and the low performing because at the end of the day, kids crave relationships. They crave those things. So if they're at school, like they clocking in eight hours a day until they leave high school, you know, if we're not giving them that relationship there, they're going to find it in other areas, whether that be a gang or just, you know, self, you know, self-medicating, they're going to find their relationship with something, whether positive or negatively. So if they're in the schools most of the time or most of the day, we need to be serving that appetite, that relationship piece. Okay, I'm following. So, okay, I'm following. I'm following. I got you. Basically, relationships is key, man. So, sound like you need a, a business development day over there in your district over there for you. <laughs> man, you know that's what it sounds like you need. Sounds like you need a business development day for all your teachers, man, on relationships. Status quo, though, man. You know, if they don't feel like it needs to change, then they won't change, and that's. That's one of the things I say about education. We do things the way we've done it because that's the way we've always done it. But this is a right. new generation. This is a new day. Like these kids are different, different. Like you, we got to get updated in our practices and pedagogies. And that's why I'm able to 
excel in the space that I'm at because yeah, I see the future. Like we can't keep looking about what happened, you know, the way it used to be, man. That yeah. day is irrelevant. <laughs> that day is yeah. irrelevant. And with social media too, these kids are far more advanced than than teachers give kids credit for. Like just because yeah. you can't comprehend a certain formula doesn't mean, you know what I'm saying, I don't understand mm-hmm. what you're doing to me, how you making me feel. If, if in all honesty, it's really no flip to where now they struggle with actual formulas and everything, but they understand the emotional piece of every adult and adults sometimes don't don't correlate and understand that come on look. yo bro he like bro he dropped the gym bro he said relationships are key like it's like i tell people man like relationships are the new currency right i tell people that and a lot of a lot of people like you said david we can't do education the way that our parents did it right like I can remember, I'll, I'll use me for an example. You know what I'm saying? I, don't, I never mind using me as an example. Um, but like my grandmother, right? Like my grandmother, when she was in school, it was go to school, right? Then find you a industrial job and you work there for 20, 30 years. You know what I'm saying? Get you a pension, retire, and you good, Right? Well, it's not like that with these kids. Like they can become entrepreneurs off of the power of social media, right? Like you have kids now that they are learning about financial literacy, like the state of Michigan and the state of Florida just passed laws that in the high school, you have to take a financial literacy class, right? And so we need to start catching up with the times so that that way these babies can know that learning is fun, right? Because they don't they don't see it as a as a necessity, right? They see the phone as a necessity. They see social media as a necessity. They see the the hottest Jordans or Gucci belt or like they see all of those things as a necessity. They don't see opening a textbook as a necessity. And so I think being able to adapt, right? Like you said. And being able to change some of the ways on how we encounter with these scholars in regards to education, then I think we can start moving in a different direction and moving forward. And so I think that that's important on what you said, because I remember, you know, when I when I first started YB Normal, didn't nobody know that, you know, you can get paid from this. Nobody knew that, oh, like, no, this is a real business. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can remember like when me and Dante got our first check, we got our, our very first check that we got was a five figure check from our curriculum development program. Right. Like once people started noticing and seeing like, oh, no, like these brothers are like they really getting paid from doing this. We not. I mean, yes, we doing this because we care and we love. But it's like. bro, I can't pay my bills off love. You know what I'm saying? And so. I realized people wasn't really taking us um, serious because they were they didn't they didn't know they wasn't they wasn't privy to it they wasn't exposed to it right I was privy to it and exposed to it because I knew people that did it and so I was like yo okay if they can do it I know I can do it and then Dante comes on board and he like yo bro I see what you're doing let's you know what I'm saying let's 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 link up let's connect and then bro we've been tight ever since like that's my brother and so. 
I just think that, you know what I'm saying, we got to do different if we want different. And I feel like sometimes as educators, they just go in this hamster wheel, bruh, and you just hang this carrot in front of these in front of these people or in front of these babies or in front of these pot or these politicians, right? Like they hang this carrot in front of the superintendent or the principal or whoever, and you like, yo, just keep doing the same thing. And it's like, bro, we're not getting anywhere. That's why we're having the same results. We're not getting nowhere. And so I think it was important, bro, off what you said um, and, and whatnot. So let me ask you this, man. What is, and you can give more than one, but the question is, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone starting out in your career? And if you if you want to expound on that and give more than one, two or three, you're more than welcome to. Um, but I just want I just want you to give people some insight on what it looks like, because there's somebody out there right now that's going to that's listening and they may be interested in wanting to work in central office and be a behavior specialist or behavior intervention interventionist. And what does that look like and how can they you know what I'm saying? And different things like that. I'm going to give it um, from a couple of different standpoints, like, yes, being in the school district that I am, but then that transition to being an educational entrepreneur, you know, like you guys are. So in my school district, I would say the the best piece of advice is add value. And I'm going to expand on that. When I'm saying adding value, you have to ingratiate, ingratiate yourself to the culture, the community that you serve. So if you are at one school, man, you need to be knowing where your kids go grocery shopping. Like what what do they do in their leisure time? Because that you can circle back and use that information during the school day and like really going to them places. Like I do a lot of work in the community. So I could be at a grocery store at anywhere in the city and a kid can see me. Oh, man, that's Mr. Spell. He always wear the ties. And it's like now I'm just building up my social capital and building that that equity with those families to say, hey, if it's a good call I have to make, you're already familiar with me. But especially if it's a negative call I have to make, you're already familiar with me. And it changes the tone and the dynamics of that conversation when your son or daughter has done something undesired. So so I'm going to go more on, on just the school aspect, really getting outside and building your network of, of individuals. I, I like to say building your tribe up because a lot of people think if I'm at, you know, Williams High School, all I know is Williams High School. And sometimes districts give opportunities for you to collaborate with other individuals in your district. But a lot of times you're really just comp- confined to your school building and you really don't know what are some of the practices? What are some of the good, the bad that's going on at other schools? So you don't have to wait for your administrator to tell you, man, do that on your own volition. Like reach out, you know, LinkedIn's a wonderful tool. There's so many different social media. A lot of teachers are doing, putting their, their craft on social media as well. So if you see an individual that, let's say you're you both are science, science teachers and you like something they're doing, reach out because they may offer you a gym or a resource worksheet that could help you on your campus. But I, I just know, I've noticed in my district, um, one of the biggest complaints is we don't get the opportunity to collaborate with under other individuals in our district, even if it is a training, you know, it's really regimented and there's not that time for networking and building. And I always just challenge those individuals, do it on your own. Like, why do you need somebody to give you permission to reach out? Like, you're not doing anything illegal. It's like, hey, you're just trying to build, like, that's pretty much your own personal development as an educator. Because, you know, even, you know, we say lifelong learners to the students, 
But I, I, I would question how many educators are taking that for themselves. Like, even though I'm an educator, I'm still every day reading some new information, going to the Edutopia blogs, you know, going to different conferences to kind of sharpen, you know, the saw. Um, could we tell that to the kids? But once again, practice what you preach. If you want the kids to be lifelong learners, you should be doing that in your own career, your own personal development. Um, so that's definitely for know somebody that's in the school district you know that wants to just grow in there but with with the book that i created and the work that i'm doing at schools across the country uh, the best piece of advice for an inspiring um educational entrepreneur is know your like know your field of study i'm in the sel space i know all companies that are doing similar work in that space because you're trying to well even though we're all serving the same population you know k-12s what are some of the pain points? Like talk to different schools. You, okay, you guys have this SEL curriculum. What are some things you like about it? What are some things you don't like about it? Now you're working on your master plan. Like, of course, I do SEL through hip hop. And, you know, going back to an earlier question, the misconception is, okay, so you just making beats. I say, really, we don't even listen to the music. Honestly, we take the lyrics and connect them to social and emotional learning. So now they're more intrigued. Like, okay, there's no music involved. Like I may play a snippet of a track, but it's really focused on that lyric. Then I talk about how I connected to S, I mean to ELA. So now it's hip hop, social emotional learning, and English language arts. I have really got people's attention with that kind of delivery. So whatever an inspiring educational entrepreneur was trying to do, you got to set yourself apart. And you can only do that by doing the research on whatever it is you're trying to, the market you're trying to dominate. But then, you know, I and this is something I say often, what how are you bring in value? I said it earlier. For me, the first email I sent, I've created some worksheets and I offer them free worksheets to a school district, a decision maker, because now they're like, OK, this man is not coming with his hand out. He's bringing some value. And typically it goes like, oh, man, this worksheet is fire. What else do you have? Well, I have a whole curriculum. Hey, I can do workshops for your educators. Hey, I can do sessions with your students. So what how are you bringing value to your potential customers, the potential school district that you want to work with, especially for the people of the culture. I often tell this to my students, you know, we come from a, a society of orators. We're good with the mouthpiece. We can talk all day, but then some people like to see it on paper. So if you're creating something as far as an educational entrepreneur and you don't have anything tangible, that kind of puts you in the back, like in the back of somebody's mind, you need to be on the, at the forefront. So if you have something you can leave them with, whether it be a book, whether it be a worksheet, man, they're like, oh man, I can touch this. I can see this. I can shoot this to somebody I feel like this could benefit. But if you simply just talking, yeah, it may sound good, but then what are they going to go off of when they meet somebody like, hey, I met Logan Taylor. He has this book on SEL. Take a look at this. That sets you apart from a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he 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 going in right now. He he going in. He man, he going, going in. in Word, bro. I'm over here. I'm over. I'm just listening, bro. Cause you know this this my thing, bro. So I just love it. Like I, I bro. Oh, I love it. Like, bro, the, the game that that David dropping, bro. Like he talking. He said, bro. He said adding value, and I think, bro. I I really, really, really need people to listen, bro, because that is what's going to set you apart every single time is the value that you add he said bro i email the educators and i send them a worksheet 
bro, they they missing it, Dave, because they ain't getting it, right? Like, they wonder, like, why, like, yo, like, why I'm not able to get into the schools? Like, why David able to do this? Why is YB normal able to do this, right? Like, why, like, why, why, why are they getting these opportunities? Why can't I get them? They're not adding value, right? Like you said, you have to stay at the top of their mind because, as as you know, us three, as we know, because we work in the school space, bruh, administrators get at least minimum, bruh, 500 emails a day. Probably a thousand. Probably a thousand. At bigger schools, I'm sure. I, I'm sure they get thousands of emails a day. And you like, yo, like, why they not responding back? Well, bruh, they got to shit. They got to they got to go through these thousands of emails. So what are you going to do? right to stand out and what are you going to do to to stay at the the forefront of their mind and so bro i thought that that was a gem right there bro like literally that right there was a gem in itself and if they if listen if they don't take that then they ain't serious about it that's all i can say i can't say nothing else that's all i can say um but before we move forward man um dante comes with you know the hot seat questions um and and some more stuff uh, we got to take a quick break real quick. And so um, we'll come back in. So listen, guys, this is the class in session podcast. This is the class in session podcast. I'm going to say it one more time in case y'all not getting it. This is the class in session podcast. And listen, we need you to do three things for us. And they real simple. I need you to like, subscribe, and leave a comment, all right? Listen, guys, if you love what we're doing, you love the value that we're adding, then share it with your network. Share it with your community of people. Because, listen, we want to add value, and we want to make an impact in the education space. And that's exactly what we're doing now. And so we just want to expand, right? And we want to get more. We want to shed a light on what's going on in the education space to more people. So, listen, guys, we need you to like, subscribe, and leave a comment, all right? It's only gonna take you a matter of what? Two seconds, maybe? Maybe not even that if you quit, right? So listen, guys, this is the Class and Session Podcast, and we need you to like, subscribe, and comment, all right? Back to the episode, Dante. Yo, so Mr. David, man, my first question for you is, if there is one thing you can change in the education system, and we're talking on a global scale here, we're not talking in Charlotte, we're talking more so the whole U.S. If you met with the Secretary of State, she said, hey, Mr. David, we got one thing for you can change in the entire education system, and it will be uniform throughout the country. What would it be? Okay, definitely this. We, I'm not going to say completely change the standardized testing like model, but we, we have to modify it. And I say that to say, yes, some of those skills definitely need to be taught. But at the same time, if we're talking about end of grade testing for this new generation, we have to modify the things that we're testing on, like an elective as principles of business, like you talked about financial literacy. Those things are really going to be more impactful for the duration of their life versus whatever happened in their state, you know, history tests. You know, 
they may have that for a trivia night. You know, I always tell my kids, you know, when you get older, 21, you know, 21 and over, you're out of the bar or whatever, there may be a trivia night that this question may circle back. But for the majority of your life, this information pretty much lays dormant. But st having standardized testing for stuff like financial literacy, principles of business, social emotional learning, I know there's some states that they don't even measure SEL, but we say it's important. That's why schools really don't take it serious, because if my Department of Education doesn't even monitor SEL scores, like I know Panorama for one, um, they have different assessments. It's like, OK, we know oh, we're, we're doing terrible with sense of belonging. But if nobody from the state level, from you know the political side is going to say, hey, we need to boost this up. Schools are like, well, if they're not paying attention to it, it's whatever. But you know what they do pay attention to? the algebra one scores, that ELA, you know, some of those things like that. So I feel like changing where we're placing our focus as far as standardized testing, that could move the needle for all students, not just certain, you know, ethnicities, but if we're talking globally, make, and I'm sure other countries are doing it. I can't say, I can't speak for all the other countries, but there's a reason why they're getting higher marks than us because they're focusing on other things as well. So I think changing, modifying the standardized testing process or the things that we are testing on should be modified. Yes, you're still going to have some of those things that are still present right now, but adding financial literacy, knowing how to do a budget, like those things should be a part of standardized testing. Because like I said, as kids like, matriculate through life, they'll be focused on doing more of those things than, you know, Y equals MC squared. Like they'll, they never reference that more than likely, but some of these real life situations that will be coming up every day. I like that. He's on fire. He's on fire. Hey, keep passing him the ball, Dante. Keep passing him the ball. <laughs> no, I, I like that, man. We never, we never heard standard like modifying the standardized testing, but we haven't heard as far as what to incorporate with the standardized testing. I, I liked it how you said uh, to incorporate the financial literacy, like how to make a budget. I think people would take testing more serious if you had basically more real life situations on that testing. Um, I actually was doing some research and I seen a lot of kids. So like a lot of kids who are homeschooled, they're going to project learning, like a project learning base to where it's no specific subject at all. So let's say, let's say you're six years old, you're learning life based on your interests and it's minimal. Like, so let's say like if math is very minimal, you're learning life as in, okay, all right, do you like to work with your hands? Do you like building stuff? Do you like to be outside? Do you like bugs? And they concentrate on that as they get older, which is pretty crazy. And then they did the research and found out, come to find out as that kid got to be 16 years old, he he was acing benchmark. Like it was twins and they was acing benchmarks because they started out, they didn't concentrate on, hey, you need to learn how to count or hey, you need to learn how to speak this way. It was more so letting the kid run with their imagination and then circling back to those core core fundamentals of learning, which is pretty cool. But what you guys say, Lo? No, nah, bro, he on fire, bro. Just keep passing the ball, bro. Just let me set the pick, bro. Just let, hey, let my man listen. Hey, I'm going to shoot. Right they say shoot is shoot, man. You give, feel give me? Give me the rock. Hey, just keep giving him the ball, bro. Like, ah, oh, man, bro, he, bro. He said standardized testing. And he said, what's happening is, is that most administrators or 
if you want to say school districts or whatever, like most people in the education space are not tracking, right? Social and emotional learning. He was like, bro, like we serious about social and emotional learning. Like, why are we not tracking it? Right? Like, why are we not tracking um, time management for our scholars? Why are we not tracking self-awareness for our scholars? Why are we not track? Why are we not tracking the 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 inclusiveness to make them feel, you know what I'm saying, wanted and, and, and loved and stuff like that. Like, why are we not tracking those things, right? Like, and of course, man, you know, on the on the grand scheme of things, like we're tracking, like you said, like those common core classes, right? Like the algebra and stuff like that. And of course, you know, the bullying, the suicide, like you're tracking those things. But I think that, you know, you need to take a, we need to take a, a deep dive into bullying and suicide. Like, yo, like, why are you having these, these mental health thoughts, right? Like why, and, and, you know, why do you feel like, yo, I want to, you know, I, I'm having these suicidal ideologies or I want to commit suicide and different things like that. Like you got to ask those questions, right? And it took for, you know, my brother to die in 2019 for me to realize how important time was, mm. right? Like my brother committed suicide. And so I know for a fact that if I would have asked the right questions, he'll still be here today. But because I didn't ask the right questions, bro. Like you, you feel what I'm saying? And, and what I realize is, is that we don't ask the right questions to our scholars, bro. We don't get down. We don't get down to their level, right? Like you get educators, bro, that's got the doctorate or they got the masters or, you know, they're the principal. And so they're like, yo, I'm up here. Like, you know, you need to listen to me, but it's like, sometimes, bro, we need to come down to their level and we need, we need to listen and, and figure out like, yo, like why, why you feel like this? Why you acting like this? Like, what are your best ways of learning? Right? Like, do you like, do you like it? You know, audio, do you like it visual? Do you have to be hands on? Like, like you get what I'm saying, bro. And I think that once we start to like learn from the lens of the scholar, Instead of trying to learn from the lens of the principal and you want the scholar to learn from the lens of the principal, then we can start to get somewhere. Man, can I ask something? No, you, bro, you come, on right in, bro. come on you in, bro. Come on in. I'm right I just right threw it off the backboard. This you. Come oh, on. I'm about to flake through on that joint, man. Now, this is the problem. We always talk, and this is school districts I've worked with across the country. We always talking about, we always talk about we need to give our students voice. Students come with a voice. We just don't listen. We just don't listen. We, we do these insight surveys for the community, for families, and we see the data, but we don't move on the data. This They are telling us exactly what they need, what they would like to see. But like you said, because we got the PhD from Old Dominion, Harvard, you know, Morehouse, we think we know what's best for them. You know what's best for them? What they're telling us they need, but yet we don't listen. So that, and that goes to relationship. But to that, to that point you were saying, and, you know, rest in peace to your brother, man, that's, just going through that is, is a situation in itself, but that speaks to social and emotional learning skills. Somebody feeling like they want to harm themselves. There's something missing with their self-management, managing those emotions. When you talked about bullying, that's SEO competency of relationship skills. Like we see these things on campus and our, our antennas don't go up like, hey, we have an issue with bullying. We need to work on our relationship skills. That's social and emotional learning. 
Like there's a disconnect there. These major issues that we're having, if we do the root cause analysis, it's because social and emotional learning is not being taken seriously. Run that back, Turbo, because I think they missed what you just said, bro. Like, <laughs> run, run, one more time, bro. Like, we're going to rewind the play. We're going to go back. I'm going to throw it off the backboard again. Like, bro, like, I really, bro, I really, 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 really need people to listen, bro, because David is giving the game. Bro, he get bro, he is giving the game, bro, right now. Like he is like, bro. Oh man, bro. Like I, I really, really hope that people are are really taking heed to what you say because the gems that you dropping, bro. Like it can literally shift a school from a three to a five. Right? It can take those tier three kids. And when I say tier three, like we talking about the worst of the worst, right? Take those tier three kids, bump them up to a two, and those twos can go up to ones, right? And bro, like, ah, oh, bro, that's, ah, oh, bro, that's so good, man. Ah, oh, that's so good. Like, the game you giving, dude, like, oh, my God, like, ah, okay, I'm going to get too excited, bro. This this ain't about me. This ain't about me. This ain't about me. This ain't about me. So, um. Man, it ain't, bro, because, bro, I'm so, dude, I am so excited, Tay, because I, like, we, we know, right, me and you have these conversations, right, and so we know, like, what we, what we've encountered, what we've had to go through, like, we, you know, the ideas, the curriculum, the, the books, the, the speaking engagements, the, you know what I'm saying, like, we know all of these things, right? Like going into the schools and dealing with kids that were at a first grade reading level and they went through our program and bumped up to a third grade reading level, right? And they were in the fifth grade. So like, like we know these things, right? The, the social and emotional learning journals and the impact that it's had with the scholars being able to write out their thoughts, right? On self-love, self-awareness, self-exploration, like those different things, bruh. And I'm just like, bro, I am so, so excited because the information that he's given, I'm like, yo, like, these are the conversations that we have. You know what I'm saying? And so when you find other educators, bro, in the space that are passionate like you, it's like, yo, like, ah, oh, bro, this is making my heart like this is, ah, oh, this is piercing my soul. Like, I love it. And so, man, like, ah, oh, bro. But go back, man. Let, let, let's run it back real quick. So you talked about bullying um, and you talked about like, yo, like the the sewer, the, the mental health or the suicide, um, because we know like ACES is big right now. Like that's a hot word. SEL is a hot word. Right. Like we've been doing our curriculum since 20. Is it 17? Tay? Is it 17? Yeah, 17. It's 17. Okay. Um, so like, we know these things are like, they're the hot words right now. Right. Um, but let's talk about that for a quick second in regards to like the bullying and stuff like that. Like what, what have you noticed and experienced right with working with school districts across the country? Um, and, and, you know, specifically in the school district that you're in, right. That you, that you work, that you, uh, work for now, like what, what has been some of those causes on why 
you know what i'm saying you've seen like yo why are you like why is why is this going on like why are you bullying this kid right and then what i want what i also want to do is i want you to give them some tools on how we can combat that with with, with whether it may be you know uh some strategies or it may be asking the right questions or different things like that so can you expound on that and, and touch on that man first thing it is a myriad amount of reasons like i've seen it in my school district it could be something as <laughs> superficial as oh this person doesn't have a lot of followers on social media so now i'm going to pick on them because oh you lame you whack whatever the case may be but over time you know somebody initially they'll be like you know whatever that's just talk but when it comes to bullying people think just picking on somebody's bullying no it is like systematic and very frequent in the the longevity like you shouldn't still be talking about this one issue three weeks a month two months down the line every time you see this person oh you only got whatever amount of followers and it's like that gets aggravating so when the kid retaliates which, well, that's a bigger thing. Once the kid retaliates, then it's like, oh my goodness, we have an issue, we have a crisis, but nobody saw what was going on for those months prior to this kid saying enough is enough. So when we talk about strategies, you should know the post of your campus. Once again, relationships. If that kid doesn't have a strong relationship with an adult on campus, they will never tell anybody what's going on with them. So if a kid doesn't feel like they have a strong relationship with a trusted adult, Man, when stuff happens, it's going to be sound like when things do happen, like a big fight and the, the teachers and administrators are like, what happened? Man, it's some kids that could have gave you that information if they felt seen and heard. And if that culture of relationship was was paramount on campus. Oh, Mr. Dante, man, they said they're going to fight a third lunch. Man, appreciate that information. And these are situations I've been in because I build relationships with my students. But then some more severe stuff like we had some students you know, transitioning, like changing their genders. And that's, you know, that's a new thing for a lot of the old school educators because they have that old mindset. But once again, new day, new, new generation, new caliber students. A lot of teachers are not equipped to handle that situation. And if we're the adults and we're the professionals and we're not equipped to handle that, that situation, man, how do you think, the, and as a matter of fact, some of the kids offer more grace because this is the this is what's going on, this is what's prevalent in their, you know, generation of young people. Um, I would say anything, with a, with a situation like bullying, there's some things that we've done or some things that we've implemented. Like, we really do take that restorative practice approach, whether it's just an administrator, some teachers, and the two students, or if it is something that kind of spills off into the neighborhoods, we do bring in the families to, like, see where they're at. And, of course, we do the preliminary work to say, hey, are we able to have this meeting with it going fairly smooth? Because we don't want to bring the drama from the neighborhood and welcome it on campus, but we know kids are coming from certain roots like the, the apple don't fall too far from the tree so if these kids are highly volatile we're trying to understand the function of that behavior and that may stem from the parents so doing things like restorative conferences on campus and doing no contact contracts like if these kids and i even explain to kids i don't care if you don't like dante that don't mean you're gonna see him and try to put hands on him every time like you can exist you can coexist in a space and not be friends. You're not going to be liked or be friendly with everybody. And maybe that's not a skill that they, they've acquired just yet. So letting them, like, having an honest conversation to say, hey, just because you don't like someone doesn't mean you have to say anything inappropriate to them. You have to try to harm them. You can be in a space, but then, like I said, putting it on paper. No contact contracts. 
you know, we will highlight the things that you cannot do. One of the biggest things that we have to put in, like I would say we've done this in the past, like six, seven years. You will not talk directly or indirectly about this individual on social media because that's we all know nowadays 90 percent of your conflicts are going to start on social media so they'll do the little sub tweets or you know they they do the subliminal messages and the kids are screenshotted like yo mr spell they they that they add it again and if it's a kid that they have a no contact contract then we got to go to that whatever that consequence may be but i mean really with the bullying you got to know the post of your campus and this is this is I'm saying this in jest, but I, I always find it funny, like when kids, especially at the high school level, when let's say it's a football game, when it's a basketball game, some kind of sporting event and a, the rival school comes, they all click up. It's like we're all one school just in case it go down. But on a normal day to day, they have that internal conflict and beef with each other. I'm like, how y'all going to go from y'all fought that school at the football game on Friday night to Monday? Now we got all these fights on campus against the same people you were just fighting with. So trying to understand that dichotomy, and that goes more about that psychology. Like, how do you go from this is my brother one day to I don't care nothing about your life the next day? But building relationships, knowing the post of your campus to, you know, to see it early and then intervene early. Because when educators just focus on, you know, that academic portion, you miss that, that social piece. So when you see kids are making fun of this one kid constantly, and you're just like, oh, kids will be kids. No, because that could be that individual that may, you know, in two weeks commit suicide because nobody saw that, then nobody intervenes. I, I like that. Seeing it early, intervening early. That's that's very, 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 very important. I, I really like that. I think a lot of educators, you can let some go by and it can it can blow up. Um, but I really, I really liked it. That was, that was a key quote that I got from that. So if y'all educators out there, potential teachers, administrators, um, central office, if you got anything from him, from David, um, just then is intervene early, especially when you see some early, don't let it build up. Um, and, and, and also focus on those relationships at a, at an early, early stage of that, uh, student's career. All right, but we got one more question before we get up out of here, David. Um, we asked this to everybody, so you can answer accordingly, however you want to. It's on you. If there was a value or a number when it comes to a teacher's salary, and they said, hey, David, you have the power to change this, what would it be? And it can be... You can go in a high end, you can go in low skill. Doesn't matter. Um, we had a variety of answer. We always ask everybody this. So you can go at the floor is yours. You, you can say what you want. <laughs> so I'm gonna preface this with just like the research I've seen, and there's a correlation between the countries that are excelling academically and the pay for those educators. So that's gonna drive my answer. Um, and then also, I mean, I'm not going to go too much into the happiness of countries because money's not everything. But since we live in the United States, you know, capital capitalistic society, money is is paramount. Money is necessary to you know live you know somewhat well or relatively well. So for my educators, man, are we talking specifically just teachers or anybody in the space? Because that might alter my my answer. You can go from teachers all the way up. Okay, man. 
everywhere is different in these United States, but I'm I'm gonna say like this. This is a number I've always thought about. I don't know why. Don't ask me no rhyme or reason. But livable wage for teachers, like considering all the time that goes into it that people don't see, they just think about oh you're in front of the kids from seven fifteen to two fifteen. Nah, I gotta create lesson plans. Oh, I gotta go to sporting events to help build that relationship. Man, I I start at eighty five thousand. I don't care. First year, of course, first year teacher. Then, you know, depending on, you know, the, the scores and all that and just being ingratiated into that community, you should there should be some like what do they call it? Performance bonuses. If you if you're helping kids create a club, boom, you get a little bit of money. If you're doing some service learning projects, like let's say you do five a year, boom, you get a little bit of stipend or a little bit of bonus because you're going above and beyond your regular responsibilities. But definitely 85 stacks. First year, first year, because you got the student loans, but then you want to live like you can't just work all the time. You got to have like work life balance and you can't do that with some of the salaries that teachers are having. Because I know plenty of teachers in the classroom that got two and three jobs just to make ends meet. So to me, you can't be your best educator self because you got so much to do after school to just have a place to stay, have some food in your fridge, you know, be able to do something for your kids if, if they got kids, do something for the spouse if they have a spouse. So that's a lot of stress and pressure. And I, I can see why those teachers don't end up being the best educators, honestly. Well, well Logan going to jump for joy, man. He, he, you right around his number, man. Logan be saying like 100K. Uh, he's saying minimal. And he always say that because he say, who's teaching the teachers? You know, like who, 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 who did you learn from? Lawyers, mm-hmm. doctors make that. Why, why can't somebody who's, you know, educating our future? Why can't we do, why can't he, why can't they do that? And when you think about it, the crazy thing is people who have the highest salaries in the country, no matter what it is, they create a talent pool to where you're going to weed out a lot of people who are not serious like it like it's like people it's a reason why it's not that many doctors not that many lawyers because a lot of people are not willing to go to school for it so if you actually bump up the salary of a teacher you're gonna weed out a lot of people who doesn't want to go into the school to do that you're gonna have a lot of people who who not gonna do what it takes to get their certification like i i wouldn't mind being a teacher i coach high school basketball but based on the salary, I know it wouldn't be feasible for me based on the responsibilities I have. But like I said, I wouldn't mind being a teacher, but it just doesn't work out in my favor. Now, if if if, if financially it was different, we'd probably be having a different conversation. But um, that's what Logan thinks. On my end, I'm more of a service guy. I do think the salary should be higher, but it don't have to be as high as y'all said. You probably can do 60 everywhere 50 but i think you need you need the um automations in place for people to be successful you need the the discounts or whether it be discounts at the grocery stores you need the um the housing piece you know first time home first time home buyers you know condos or something that way if it doesn't you do get burnt out you can sell your home you know what I'm saying you can have something to fall back on you know, whether there be a low interest rate with your credit cards, you know what I'm saying? Or or like a teacher credit card, just a lot of small stuff like that. You know, you we might give you a stock or something. Just 
different ways, you know what I'm saying, to make it more, like I said, a little more balanced uh, for the teacher. So. Dante spoke for me, so I'm good. I ain't even got to say nothing. I'm good. Like I'm, he he know me. He already know. Like yo, that's my number. That's where I'm at. Like so, that's what um, that's where we at with everything. Um, but before we get up out of here, man, there are a few things I need to ask of you. So, uh, David, can you let the supporters know how they can get in contact with you? Um, and you know if they have any questions or if they want to, you know, run an idea by you. If they're interested to want to, you know, hey, man, can you come in and help us? Like, we need help, like, bad. So um, how can they get in contact with you, your contact information? And then the last thing is, is leave them with a piece of motivation, and then we'll get up out of here. All right, so for sure, to YB Normal Nation, please reach out. Like I said earlier, you're going to get a free worksheet, a couple worksheets, if you hit me up, because that's just love. Like, the tribe of educators Man, let's let's continue to build with each other. So the email address that you can find me at is positivearcher at gmail.com. Once again, positivearcher at gmail.com. You send me um, an email, say you heard me on YB Normal class and session. You're going to get a worksheet for sure. Um, if you want to connect on LinkedIn, it is the government name David Spellman. That's simple. David Spellman. I am the beloved one because that's what David means. Beloved or friend. But then on Instagram, I, I do post a lot of my educational content on my Insta, and that is Mr. Happy, but I got to explain it. So I grew up Latino. So it's M-R-J-A-P-P-I. So you wouldn't you wouldn't see the name Jose and say, Jose, you put the H sound. So my happy is spelled with a J. So once again, on Instagram, it is M-R-J-A-P-P-I. So you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on LinkedIn, and then of course you can hit me on my email address. And as far as a piece of motivation for the educators and really just anybody that listens in, because I'm sure it's more than educators that, that tap in with y'all. Um, in every chapter of my book, I have this one line and it's just an affirmation. So it's not just for students, it's for just anybody whose heart pumps. Like you wake up, you bless. But with me saying that, you have greatness inside of you. And I, I've often said this, I don't care if you're five years old. I don't care if you're 85 years old. You have greatness inside of you. We all come from that, that, that higher power, that being. So if I'm telling you, you have greatness inside of you, the job for you as a person going through this life is how do you showcase it? We all have innate skills. You got to find your lane and then live in your excellence, live in your greatness. It may not be creating SEL content like we're like we're doing right now. It may be a chef. It may be flying planes. Like everybody has an innate ability, your greatness. I need you to identify your greatness and then showcase it to the world. So the motivational piece is everybody listening. You have greatness inside of you. The challenge is find that greatness, you know, cultivate it and then show the world. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, I love it. He said, listen, find your greatness, cultivate it and show it to the world. Man, whoo-wee. This right, man. Oh, man. David, my brother. This, bro, this episode. He, he, drops, bro, he, drops some, he drops some good stuff, man. Oh, bro. He dropped so many gems, bro. I'm like, yo, wait, what? Wait, hold on. Time. Wait, this what? Oh, man. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, bro. Oh, he was dropping them, man. So, um, listen, man, thank you so much, bro, for coming on here. 
Uh, thank you so much, man. Like, I appreciate what you do. Um, and I want to give you your flowers and, and let you know that you matter. I want to tell you how much we appreciate you because I know it's not easy working in the education space. Um, and I know that, you know, there are times where there's some, you know, there's some red, there's a, there's some, uh, some red, you know, red tape that, you know, you gotta, you gotta work through in order to get to, you know, the outcome that you want. And so I definitely understand, you know, the politics behind it and all of that. And so, um, I just want to say, man, that we honor you and that we appreciate you, my brother. And, um, thank you for what you do for these babies, man. Cause I know it's not easy. Nah, man, I know just, it's not easy. Let me echo those sentiments, though. Y'all brothers created this platform for educators to come and live in their greatness. You've had people from all walks of life. I mean, I, I definitely love that y'all had a brother from Columbia. So this is global. Like, this is me doing my research. So big up to y'all brothers as well. I wanted to say in the beginning, if y'all had asked me to say something, I wanted to say first things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Yeah, Nicole. But then the next thing, man, big up y'all for this platform because it is necessary, not just the the mainstream, quote unquote, mainstream voices that can only talk about education. Now, you guys are doing it for the culture and I appreciate that. Oh, bro. I love, bro. I appreciate it, man. We really appreciate you, that, bro. All of him, none of me, man. That's what I tell people. So I really appreciate that. But listen, guys, listen, we up out of here, man. Um, Listen, please, 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 please. Please, please get in contact with David. All right. All right. The value in the game that he has given you all today. Oh, my God, man. Mind blowing. Like, listen, you can you can shift the climate and culture in your school. If you're looking to be a, a, a educational entrepreneur like, yo, like he just gave you some game on how you can add value. Um, so, man, to my brother, David, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, bro. Um, Dante, bro. I love you, my dog, my G. I appreciate you, man. It's all love this way, man. I love you so much, bro. You, your family, KP, everybody, bro. Malik, everybody, bro. Um, but listen, before we get up out of here, guys, listen, this is the class and session podcast. All right. Listen, I need you guys to share this with your network, share this with your community, share this with your educators, share this with your family. Like, just share this with somebody because at the end of the day, it ain't about us. All right. And so we want to add value. And so, again, this is the class and session podcast. And in closing, like we always say, why be normal when you can be extraordinary? All right, man. We'll see y'all next episode. Peace. Love y'all.